0: morning, church. Welcome to Tapestry. If you're new here, my name is Jacob. I'm the director of Next Generation Ministries. I'm excited for this morning. I know I always say that, but I'm really excited. we got a lot going on today. It is Super Bowl Sunday. Who's rooting for the Chiefs? Oh, not too many. How about the 49ers? Okay. Too, not too many people. How about the what? Commercials, yes. Who's who's watching for the commercials? There you go. There you go. Also, isn't it Groundhog Day? Am I right about that? Awesome. It's what? Palindrome Day. Wow, a lot going on today. A lot going on. Well, we are in between series right now, so this is a stand-alone message. But I've titled the message this morning, Would You Rather? Would You Rather? if I don't know if you've played the game, Would You Rather know what this is about we play it all the time downstairs with the kids but basically it's a icebreaker it's a get to know you game where you have two options would you rather do this or that and i thought it'd be a missed opportunity if we didn't play along this morning a little bit so i'm going to give you guys a couple options would you rather turn to your neighbor your friend or turn to the stranger next to you and tell him which one you would rather do so the first one is Would you rather have legs as long as fingers or fingers as long as legs? (laughs) Discuss. Okay, we're going to keep going, keep going. Number two is, would you rather have all traffic lights you approach be green Or never have to stand in line again. Ooh, that's a hard one. Okay, the third one. Would you rather fight one horse-sized duck or a hundred duck-sized horses? Okay, our last one, my favorite. Would you rather have to use sandpaper as toilet paper or hot sauce as eye drops? <laughs> <laughs> Who knew we would live in a world where sandpaper as toilet paper was the right answer, right? <laughs> but clearly it is there. Well, we're going to use this kind of theme of two options this morning, and the truth is, is if we look in the Bible, we see that there, excuse me, there's these contrasts laid out before us where God sets two sets of options before us, or two sets of values before us. You can either do this or that, and really he leaves it up for us to choose which, which path we go down. And we're going to jump right into Matthew 7 this morning where we see two times Jesus says, uh, he, he teaches about this, these two options in two different ways. So first in uh, verses 13 and 14, he says, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it and So here we get uh, these two options and one is the the way to heaven it 's very narrow. not many people go down this path and then we have the the way to hell and it 's it's a, it's a broad he says it 's very wide because a lot of people choose this and why, why is that because the way to the way this path, the Broadway, is it's way more tempting. It looks a lot more fun. It's easier. And then the way to heaven, it's, it's narrow because it's not always green pastures and great things. So we have that. But then later in that same chapter, verses 24 to 27, we get these two options, but kind of twist a different way. Jesus says, anyone who listens to my teaching... And follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock, though the rain comes and torrents and the floodwaters rise, and the winds beat against that house, it won 't collapse because it was built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds on a house, a house on sand, when the rains and floods come. And the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. And so here we get those two options again, but a little different. And here he says, the person who decides to go um, on the way to heaven is wise. The person who builds on bedrock is wise. The person who builds on sand, who, who takes the easy way, is Foolish. So we have this contrast, wisdom or foolish. And that's our would-you-rather question this morning. Wisdom or foolishness? Now this one's a little easier than the ones we started out with. Because everyone's going to say, I'd rather have wisdom. No one wants to be classified as foolish. But reality is, is that it's not that easy. The options we have set out before us in life aren't labeled. You know, going out with our friends could be a wise thing, but could also be a foolish thing. We don't know sometimes until we get in the middle of it, whether it's wise or foolish. So this morning, the the heart of the sermon, I'm I'm just, I feel like what God's put on my heart is just to stir up some questions in your heart. And so I want you to ask yourself and not just let these be words. Which path are you on right now? Ask yourself, which path am I on right now? Wisdom or foolishness? What we're going to really be diving into this morning is 1 Timothy chapter 6. If you would open up your Bibles or you can follow along with me on the screen. But in 1 Timothy 6, Paul, he's writing to Timothy about the people of Ephesus. And these people... Uh, Timothy had been called to pastor there. Paul had, you know, trusted him to to lead these people. But the reason he's writing them, he knows it's not like an easy job. These people are very far from God. And he, he's, we, as we see right here in these in the verses we're about to dive into, is the reason they're so far from God is they were lovers of themselves. They loved themselves. They they loved money. They loved possessions. They were all about themselves. They would be the record holders of selfies if they lived in our world today. They loved themselves. Everything was about them. How can this benefit me? And if what cracks me up is if Paul thought them like they needed it at this time, a message about money and possessions, just think about how much more we need it today. A world we live in of where we want what that person has. We want How much money they have. And so we're going to jump into 1 Timothy 6, starting in verse 5. It reads These people always cause trouble. Their minds are corrupt, and they have turned their backs on truth. To them, a show of godliness is just a way to become wealthy. A show of godliness is just a way to become wealthy. So using their so-called faith, they were trying to get more money. These people of Ephesus, they were using this, slapping this word faith on their names just to hide their greed. And I look at the world and I, I see, especially in America, where there's not a lot of persecution on Christians right now. It's so easy just to slap that title Christian on our names and Maybe if we do that, people won't really look too far into where my heart really is. If we We're able to just slap that word Christian right on our names. And it's important to note that the kingdom is not a fad. It's who I am. The kingdom is not a fad. It's who we are. If we dive deep into these verses where Paul's saying he, he's really addressing the theme of identity. If he's he's trying to stir up the question, who am I? Who am I really? See, if godliness is truly who I am, if Christian isn't just a word I'm slapping on my name, then we should be able to see the kingdom in every aspect of our lives. We should be able to open up our social media accounts and see the kingdom not some other life we're living. We should be able to look at our marriages, our relationships, our friendships, our work lives, no matter where we work, and see the kingdom. So using Jesus' parable, if we try to keep up with the pace of culture, which, as we know, is moving so fast, a new iPhone every year, a new model of a car that we wish we had, if we try to keep up with that pace, the the path of wisdom is, begun, is going to become more narrow as we go. So how do we navigate, you know, reaching the world, reaching the lost, but also staying true to who we are, focused on wisdom? We must be beautiful bricks. Now, what do I mean by that? We must be beautiful bricks. I've attempted to be artistic, and I'm not very artistic. Um, But I've painted this beautiful, beautiful brick. (laughs) I'm not. I can't paint. I can draw a little, but I can't paint. But if you know me at all, I'm a huge Vikings fan. I love the Vikings, so I've did. I've painted this brick Vikings colors, and. Sports is a way that I like to relate to people, especially the lost, non-believers. I love to talk sports with people. And this is kind of true. Is like it's beautiful on the outside, but as we know, a brick, it's super solid on the inside. It's, the particles are so dense together. The, it's heavy. We're beautiful. And that's how we should live our Christian lives. Be beautiful to culture on the outside, but we can't be moved on the inside. We, I think that we can live, we can wear skinny jeans, right? We can, we can like, we can get super pumped about the the Super Bowl tonight. We can love sports, we can listen to secular music, but we must know who we are. Deep down inside. First Corinthians fifteen it says, Be strong and immovable. Be strong and immovable. We must have genuine faith in a relationship with God. We can look like culture on the outside, but we can't live like culture on the inside. So going on, verses six through ten of 1 Timothy 6, it says, Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. Listen to that. Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing let us be content, but people who long to be rich will fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of many, sorry, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and some people, craving money, have wandered from true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. so Paul says godliness with contentment. Godliness plus contentment is great wealth. When we think of wealth, we think of money, how much we own. But he says godliness plus contentment. What does he mean by contentment? He simply means having the mindset to be independent from money, from possessions, from materials. Paul, he just said... Food and clothing is really all we need. Those are the essentials of life. And if we have those two things, then we are good. Everything beyond that is a blessing. Godliness plus contentment is great wealth. Just as the Israelites, they fail to chase after God and mammon at the same time. If we chase after materials and money, and God at the same time, we're going to fall short. God can bless us with much more than just money. Much more than just materials. In Matthew six thirty-three, 33, he says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. We must have our mindsets on eternal things. We must see the unseen. It's important to note that Paul, he's not just saying, he's not saying that if we own more than food and clothing, that's a sin. He's not saying that at all. He's not saying having nothing is better than having a lot. What he's saying is having contentment, being content with what you have is way better than chasing after what you don't have. I'll be honest, like, once I moved to North Atlanta, to this area, I found myself wanting a lot more than, I mean, we're not, where we live right now isn't too much different than the people of Ephesus, if you think about it. There's a lot of brand new cars, a lot of shiny things around here. And I found myself wanting a new car, wishing I had their car, wishing I had as much money as that person had. But it's important to note that. Everything we own. Is not ours. I love that he said. It's not ours. Listen to what he says. He says when you. When you come into the world. You had nothing. And when you leave it. You will also. Have nothing. So. So. Think of your think of your first birthday, right? The day you were born. I know you don't remember it. But the day your mom delivered you. What did you bring into this world? Absolutely nothing. Besides yourself. Now imagine the day you get to go to heaven. The day you get to meet Jesus. What are you going to be able to bring with you from this world? Nothing. Because none of it. Is ours? None of it is ours. Everything we own is borrowed. Our money is borrowed. The air we breathe is borrowed. Heck, the the bodies we are using right now are borrowed. Made me think of a story. If you're in the sports world, you may have heard this story. Um, uh, Robert Kraft, Robert Kraft is the owner of the Patriots. And can we just give like a round of applause for the Patriots not being in the, (laughs) yes, finally get to watch a Super Bowl without the Patriots. But in 2005, Robert Kraft, he had the opportunity to go to Russia. And in Russia, he had the opportunity to meet Vladimir Putin. And if you know Vladimir Putin, he's quite an interesting guy. Um, but he, he's the president of Russia, and when they were meeting each other, he noticed something shiny on Robert Kraft's hand, and it was his very first Super Bowl ring. You know, it had his, his name on it. It was very shiny, and um, Vladimir Putin, he was amazed by this, and he said, can I, can I see that? Can I try that on? And so he puts it on, And I I promise you, this is a true story. It was on like today's show, but I can't, like it boggles my mind what happens next. Out of all things he could have said, he could have said, this is a very beautiful ring. (laughs) But what he decides to say, what comes out of his mouth, he says, I could kill someone with this. (laughs) So leave it or take it. I don't even know what that means. But what happens next is what blows my mind. He takes the ring off, he puts it in his pocket, and then he has the audacity to leave the KJB surround him, and he takes off with the ring. And it just kind of like blows my mind because like I was thinking to myself, I'm like, what could he do with an American football ring? I was just imagining him like going around, like using it as like a pickup line, like did you hear about the Super Bowl I won? Like... (laughs) What value does it have to him? Because it's not his ring, right? And the truth is, is what value does it have to us? Because it's not ours. Everything we own is not ours. So that's what he means by godliness plus contentment is the only way we'll find great wealth because it's spiritual value that he's talking about here. So we must see the unseen. We must become focused on eternal things. Others will start to call us foolish, but God will call us wise. See, when we start to see the unseen, people will not understand how our minds are working, how our hearts are working. See, to them, they're like, why would you spend your vacation money your vacation days to go to Guatemala, to a third world country, and serve the kingdom. That just doesn't make sense to them. Why would you turn off cable to be able to give above and beyond to the Imagine campaign? Or to send a student to a summer camp? None of that makes sense. So maybe, maybe you need to sit down this week and... Really evaluate where where is my budget going? Where's my money going? Maybe you need to go through your closets and see what's taking up extra space. So I can tell you, getting rid of extra stuff it just makes you feel so much lighter. So to go in the last two verses that we're going to look at today, I want you to notice the the change. We feel here when he starts to talk to Timothy in verse 11 and 12. It says, but you, Timothy. Are a man of God. So run from all these evil things. Pursue righteousness and a godly life, along with faith, love, perseverance and gentleness. Fight the good fight for the true faith. Hold tightly to eternal life to which God has called you which you have confessed so well before many witnesses. So he says, you know, flee from all things evil, but then pursue all things good. We must be engagers, not gazers. We must be engagers, not gazers. Now, what do I mean by that? See, Paul, he says, run from all things evil, but right after that, notice what he says: pursue. These things kind of fight against each other. Run, pursue. So I'm going to talk to the men real quick. You know that pair of underwear that you have that has like all those holes in it? That even though you got new underwear for Christmas, you're still wearing those ones with all those holes. <laughs> or the socks that you have that you know you're bare. Heel is showing, but you still tend to put them on every day. For me, it's shoes. I like, I will wear shoes until my whole foot is touching the ground. (laughs) Even though I have new ones, it's just easier to slip those old ones on, you know? But what Paul's saying, he's like, why are you still wearing your old clothes? You've been given a new lifestyle, an opportunity to put new clothes on. Ones without holes, ones that are clean, white. Christianity is Christianity is an opportunity to step into a new lifestyle. You know those diets where like you're running from uh, everything. Those diets of no no soda. No carbs, no air, right? (laughs) Where you can't like eat anything. Those aren't healthy if you're not replacing it with the things your body needs. I think that's why some of us, we, we failed at our New Year's resolutions already. Because we haven't replaced it with something righteous. We've been just running from the things. We've been running from not getting on social media, but we haven't replaced it. With pursuing something that is righteous. Humans are great at running from things. I'm like the expert at running from conflict. But we're not too good at pursuing good things. So in the new decade, I want you to ask yourself, Who am I becoming? Who am I really One of my favorite phrases is, direction is better than speed. Direction is better than speed. I was looking at our VBS pictures. I have a a picture hung up on my desk, and it was like my first week of being here at Tapestry, which was crazy. Uh, But it was was awesome. I was looking at the pictures, and I'm like, these kids, like some of these kids have grown up so much already. Like from June, when I first got here, I'm like, these kids have grown So much like the three and four year olds are growing up and like, you know, we want to tell them, like, stop growing up. You're growing up so fast. And they're just like, yo, I can't I can't control that. I don't think they're saying yo, but (laughs) they 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 can't control that. And the reality is, is that as humans, growing is inevitable. Growing is inevitable. But what we can control is direction. We can control which direction we're going, which path we're going down. So what are you pursuing? What are you pursuing? As Gary comes up, I want you to notice how Paul starts verse 11. He says, but you, but you. See, the rest of the world is living this way, but you, Timothy, are living differently. The rest of the world is living this way, but you are living differently. He doesn't even call Timothy by his name. I love that. He says, You, Timothy, are a man of God. His identity can be summed up in three words. Man of God. So asking ourselves, Who am I is important. But as Christians, the most important question to ask ourselves is, Whose am I? Whose am I? Whose are you? See, once we know that, behavior will flow from our identity. Behavior flows from identity. When we know whose we are, we will know which path to walk down. The path of wisdom will become much more clear. My guess is that there are some people this morning who have been set down the wrong path because of other people. Or maybe this morning you walked in and you're dealing with a lot of guilt and shame because your own decisions set you down the wrong path. Maybe this week has been a much harder week than others. Maybe this new year you're expecting it to be a new start, but it hasn't started out so great. Being completely transparent, I had a rough, rough week. I had physical battles, I had mental battles, spiritual battles. And I let the enemy just attack I, mean, I let him use past things that I've repented from. Him trying to tell me that I should be on the path of foolishness. And if you can relate to that at all, maybe you just need to hear the sermon today and hear for maybe the first time that God isn't shocked when we choose the other path. He's not shocked when we choose to chase after other things than him. That's why he had a plan all along. A plan from the very beginning to send Jesus. And because of Jesus' sacrifice, we can take on a brand new identity. We can put on new clothes. So if that's you this morning, would you bow your heads and pray with me? And if you have decided maybe you need to recommit your life, would you just pray this prayer with me? Lord, we come before you and we're just so amazed by your love that you continue to chase after us even when we do choose the other path. So, Lord, I just pray for the people who did come in here with a lot of guilt and shame, who have found themselves on the wrong path this year, Lord. I pray that when they do come up against the next storm, that they would be able to tell themselves whose they are. They'd be able to say, I belong to the bread of life, the one who gives me everything I need to be content. I belong to the Prince of Peace, the one who takes everything off of my shoulders. I belong to the Chosen One who came to save me. So I pray that this year would be the year that we just chase after You, Lord. That we would seek Your love and that you would be able to be content with what we have. Because, Lord, all of it is yours. And so, Lord, we just lift you up and we glorify you for everything you have done, everything you are doing, and everything that you are going to do. So Lord, we love you so much. In your name we pray. Amen.